way. In fact, the majority of people feel that way. The truth is, we were all sold this great lie that being part of a silent majority was something we should be proud of. Being a silent majority allowed a very loud, angry group of people to control everything. And problem there is, that small group of people, they're communists. I say that myself as someone who's the son of a Cuban refugee who had to flee communism. I know the reality of how important the American dream is. I know how quickly we can lose freedom. And that's why this is our last stand. I'm your host, Robbie Starbuck, and I'm going to be diving deep on the issues and people that matter so that together we can save the American dream and once again become a loud majority that steers the direction of this country. If you're with me and you want to spread truth and wake up the masses, you're in the right place. Together, one piece of truth at a time, we can save America. Hey, everybody. I uh, hope you're having a good uh, beginning to your week as we get off this long weekend. Um, we're going to start with a wild story, okay? This is happening, and, and it's got to be highlighted. A German court is seeking to force a Holocaust survivor to get the COVID-19 vaccine. Not only force her to do that, but let me go ahead and pull this down real quick. You've got to see this. So look at the bottom of that. And then they want to commit her to a psychiatric ward. Okay, that's what they'd like to do next. The report 24 said that this woman is slated to be sent against her will to a doctor who will vaccinate her twice against COVID-19. The news outlet added that after the vaccination, she will be institutionalized in a closed psychiatric facility. According to report 24, an exclusive video shows that she's neither unsound in mind nor endangering herself or others. She's just afraid for her life. This is where we're at, folks. I mean, some of these places have gone so crazy that this is the reality where they're forcing a Holocaust survivor, or they're trying to, to have her submit to their will. Think about that. And somehow these people think they're the good guy, you know? I hate to tell you, but if you're at the point where you're forcing Holocaust survivors to inject something in their body against their will, you're not the good guys. You're the bad guys. And and that's where we're at. Um, we've got another wild story here, though. I mean, there's honestly a lot of craziness that happened over the weekend. World eminent cardiologist Professor Abdullah Al-Abdul-Ghadar calls for suspension of the mRNA COVID vaccines because of cardiac harm concerns. He's the president of the International Congress for Advanced Cardiac Sciences and the founder of the Prince Sultan Cardiac Center in Saudi Arabia. This guy is a heavy hitter in the cardiac uh, world, so he's a world eminent cardiologist. We're going to go ahead and play the video um, of what he ended up saying. And this is somebody, again, we're seeing a lot of these cases of, of doctors and uh, surgeons coming out saying that, you know, we had one view before, but seeing the outcomes, we've got another one now. So let's take a look at what he's got to say. In spite of the unprecedented support that has been given to COVID-19 messenger RNA vaccination, that is actually uncomparable to any support given to any pharmaceutical agent in human history, we are still hearing sounds of wisdom coming from different parts of the planet, actually calling for uh, or questioning the scientific foundation and uh, safety of the messenger RNA vaccination. Uh, if we go back to April 1948, where the uh, WHO has been established and review the main theme of uh, establishment of this uh, international organization, we can see clearly that the uh, psychophysiological well-being of uh, human species is the major priority and uh, improving quality of life for a human being is actually a critical issue. 
uh, in spite of uh, what we are hearing from the media, but going to our uh, scientific foundation and questioning the uh, complications of the messenger RNA vaccination, uh, I'm referring mainly to, uh, as a cardiologist, to the cardiovascular complications, the uh, juvenile myocarditis and pericarditis, and uh, the, what, we, what we think seriously increased level of uh, sudden cardiac death. I think uh, anything related to the mRNA uh, products uh, should be reviewed critically and in uh, view of the cardiovascular complications of this type of vaccination. I think this type of vaccine should be suspended until it is fully investigated. Uh, our global consciousness should uh, rise up and uh, wisdom at the end should prevail. So as you can see there, he's calling for the full suspension of these vaccines. Um, you know, I'm going to go ahead and make the prediction because of where he stands in Saudi Arabia in terms of the hierarchy um, that, you know, some people very high up there knew that he was going to be saying this. And I would suspect that if any country is going to be first to suspend it, it is probably going to be Saudi Arabia. Um, and after seeing this video, it brought some questions up for me. Um, you know, there's this old video of Dr. Fauci, I'm going to play it in a second here, where he's asked about a vaccine for AIDS. And in it, he says, you know, the big problem with this is that we don't know what's going to happen 12 years out. And so I've got some questions. Let's go ahead and watch the video first, though. Many scientists are beginning to believe that a vaccine against AIDS may be impossible to make and too dangerous to test. If you take it and then a year goes by and everybody's fine. Then you say, okay, that's good. Now let's give it to uh, 500 people. And then a year goes by and everything's fine. You say, well, then now let's give it to thousands of people. And then you find out that it takes 12 years for all hell to break loose. And then what have you done? 12 years for all hell to break loose. So here's my question, Dr. Fauci. How do you know, how can you be so confident that the COVID vaccines 12 years from now are not going to result in, quote, all hell breaking loose. How can you guarantee that to the American people? And again, when you were talking about this in reference to the AIDS vaccine, you're talking about a much smaller group of people affected. Your, your concern in that scenario is warranted. And again, much more warranted when it comes to COVID, where you're talking about a group of people that is massive, in fact, likely the largest of all time in terms of immediate vaccination. I don't think there's anything that comes close. And so when you look at it from that vantage point, how can you assure people? What, what did you do to look into this to make sure that 12 years from now, there's not going to be an explosion of side effects? Oh, nothing, clearly. Because when you look at what's going on right now, we've got sudden death after sudden death after sudden death. We're going to talk about this later in the show because there's some news out of Ireland that people need to know about. And, you know, when you've got these cases happening all over the world, you can't say with any authority, moral nor scientific, that you're confident we're not going to have these same problems that you were concerned about when it came to HIV AIDS. These are the problems we face today, except for at a magnitude much greater than you were willing to show concern for back then. So what changed, Dr. Fauci? Was it the money? Was it the fame? Was it the adoration? You know, you've got to be honest with yourself at some point. But the truth is, us as, as voters, as American citizens, we need to hold our leaders accountable to ensure that we have the right people in the right positions who are willing to do everything necessary to hold tyrants like Fauci accountable. Because it's very clear 
this was a knowing harm on his part, a knowing risk, because he spoke up about it when it came to HIV AIDS. Didn't speak up for us, though. Isn't even willing to, to acknowledge any sort of concern at this point. That says everything. Another story we've got to jump into here, very concerning, uh, is the YMCA. Uh, this is a headline. I'm going to actually show you the video of her talking in a moment. But this girl, 17 years old, had to see a naked man in a woman's changing room at a YMCA in California. The staff then scolded her for complaining about it. That's where we're at. That's where we're at, guys. A 17-year-old girl can't safely go into a locker room at the YMCA without worrying that a man is going to expose himself to her and turn around and Google at them or Google at them, whatever you want to say, while they're naked. What sort of perversion are we going to accept next? What are we going to allow for our children next? We really have to ask ourselves these questions. Where do we draw a red line? Because I would argue it should have been drawn long ago. But this is a point of no return. If we don't stop this now, we're in deep, deep, deep trouble. Okay? So let me show you this video because people need to connect with this and screen record, do whatever you got to do. But you need to make sure that the people in your life, whether you call them friends or family or acquaintances, who are the type of people who have excused this behavior in the past or have said, you know, we've got to try to be kind to these people. We've got to try to integrate in some way. Listen, nobody's arguing against kindness, but this is not kind. Pretending that a man is a woman and allowing him to expose himself to a minor is not kindness. This is not tolerance. This is not equity. This is not inclusion. This is none of those things. It is harassment. It is abuse. It is anti-science and it is psychotic. Watch this video and tell me what you think. As I was showering after my workout, I saw a naked male in the women's locker room. I immediately went back into the shower, terrified, and hid behind their flimsy excuse for a curtain until he was gone. I ran into a bathroom stall to change as quickly as I could, organizing my thoughts to share with the people at the front desk. As I did so, I could only think of my five-year-old sister, who I bring to this gym during the summer to, sorry, to enjoy their water slides. This is the YMCA, where hundreds of children spend their summer afternoons in childcare camps. This is the YMCA where my little sister took gymnastics lessons. The locker room was supposed to be her safe haven to gossip with her friends and shower and change. When I asked the YMCA management what their policy was regarding transgenders, they confirmed that the man that I saw was indeed allowed to shower wherever he pleased. As long as you are not a red flag on Megan's Law, the California Sex Offender Registry, a grown male can shower alongside a teenage girl at your YMCA location here in Santee. I was made to feel as though I had done something wrong when I talked to people at the YMCA. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. We look at this and... You know, you have to question our sanity as a nation that that's the position we're putting a 17-year-old girl through. And the question has to be raised, what about even younger children? Where do you draw the line? Can the man have a cell phone in the bathroom too? How far are you willing to go in your quest to be accepting and inclusive? What, what are you willing to really do? I mean, if you're willing to accept that a man is a woman, 
Are you willing to accept they're a duck, a dog? I mean, really, what what line will you draw? If you're willing to just completely divorce yourself from reality, the truth is there's no line that you're actually willing to draw. You know, and the thing people don't talk enough about is, is the outcomes here. You know, this isn't just about locker rooms. What about what about centers for battered women? What about that? Because we know of a case where a battered women's shelter lost their government grant because they refused to allow men in their facility around women who have come out of domestic abuse relationships where they were beaten by a man. You know, and neither here nor there in terms of what happened in all those situations. The truth is, is if you're in one of those situations, you don't need to get individual in these cases to know that those women are rightfully afraid, many cases, of men in general. And they certainly don't want to share their, their space to feel safe with other men after an abuse case. I mean, this isn't rocket science, people. This is This is very clear. But the government is forcing all of these homes to take in men if they want these grants. And then you look at prisons. How many prison cases do we need to see a very clearly a man saying they're a woman, they impregnate people in the prison, they get out of prison, and then suddenly they're back to being a man? Okay, so, I mean, who's buying this? Who's honestly up for believing that these people are being honest? Okay, I'm not saying there's nobody out there who's, who's being honest. They actually think this because they do. Which brings me to a very important point, and this is the cruelty of leftism. Okay, I'm going to go ahead and play a video for you guys because we need to talk about the cruelty of progressive leftism. Okay, they like to pretend that everything about their ideology is so loving and inclusive and equitable and, and all these fuzzy warm words that they've attached to themselves. But the truth is, progressive leftism is one of the ultimate forms of cruelty. So let's go ahead and watch and I'll explain. Hi everyone, it's day um, 95 right now of my post-op transgender girlhood. And I got Missy with me today. She says hi. So yeah, um, that means it's five days till day 100. I know I'm not going to get my princess party on day 100. It's just, it takes a small miracle for that to happen. But I am going to do something for myself. I'm going to, I've got the ingredients. And I've and I'm hoping the pen comes by Wednesday because Thursday's this coming Thursday is day one hundred of of post op girlhood. Um, so you know if if y'all just want to say hi to me or this Thursday or say happy day one hundred that would be great. But that's not till Thursday. I know I'll put something else Wednesday. But anyway, if my cake pan gets here Wednesday, I'm gonna attempt to make a Cinderella cake for myself. Um, it's the Cinderella cake on Amazon. I, I really like Ariel and I was gonna make the Ariel cake, but the Ariel pen was too expensive. So, you know, it's not, and plus now it wouldn't get here in time anyway. So, <laughs> so I, I got the Cinderella cake. I like her a lot too, so. But um, yeah, I just, I, I hope everything's going well with everybody. Um, you know what the cruelty of leftism is? They would watch that video and affirm him. They would say, oh, wow, what a wonderful little girl. 
They, they would affirm the problems that are so clear to anybody who actually cares. That is a sick man. Okay. And I don't mean that in some mean way. I actually feel a lot of empathy, feel really bad for the guy because it's very clear he is very sick. And in fact, you know, I'm not a doctor, but from my experience, especially being around, you know, my wife's work, which includes a lot of abuse victims, it seems very clear to me there's something in his childhood that has affected him that needs to be worked out. You know, I don't want to get into what or why or how or any of that. But the truth is, I mean, it's very clear there's a trauma at the core of this. I think anybody who's an adult and had any experience in the real world understands that. The cruelty of leftism is that they put that away. They compartmentalize it. They pretend it's not real. And they, they accept this altered form of reality that is not reality. It is a lie. And they live within it. That's what leftism requires. Because... When you face reality, all of the tenets of leftism, they collapse. You know, and we can go on and on for hours about this. If we actually break down how each policy doesn't fit one another, how, how inclusivity in their sort of demonstration of it always ends poorly, how intersectionalism doesn't work. Heck, this week in Dearborn, Michigan, a perfect example of how all of this intersectionality doesn't quite weave together the beautiful way they pretend it does, occurred. They had a school board meeting. And at that school board meeting, there was a room full of concerned parents, including Muslim parents. Dearborn, Michigan is a very, very, very Muslim populated place. Muslims have very conservative social values in general. So they were concerned, just like Christian parents and other good-hearted parents across the country were concerned about all these sexualized books. They showed up, they made their voices heard. And you know what happened? A teacher came up to speak. They, they said, We're, I'm non-binary, I'm, I'm this, I'm that, I'm the other. They had all these different terms, all of these victimhoods attached to them because that's what leftism does. It requires you to attach victimhood to yourself as an excuse for your own failures or as an excuse for why you deserve attention or an excuse for why you deserve a leg up or a hand up in life. Instead of just encouraging you and uplifting you to be the best you can be, it says you need all of these weaknesses attached to you so that we can lift you up. That's what it requires of you. So, so this teacher, they go up 19 years old very confidently talking about why your children need to be exposed to these sexualized books because she wasn't and she wanted that information at that age and essentially making it sound like it's abusive for the parents to not allow their kids to go and read this material. You know what happened? The room full of Muslim parents, they booed, they stood up, they sounded off. They did what good parents should do. And they said, absolutely not, not in our community, not our kids. You know, leftism would try to tell you that because of intersectionality, all of them, all of them should weave together perfectly because they're all marginalized groups, right? Well, they don't because we're individuals. Our values are very different as individuals. I'm sure there's people watching right now who don't agree with me and people who I would watch who I don't agree with. But the truth is that video I just showed you is an example of progressive cruelty. There is nothing good-natured or good-hearted about pretending that the psychosis that man is experiencing is normal and encouraging it, deepening, deepening the hole that he's dove himself into. And why did he dive into that hole? 
this spiral of insanity because progressive leftism told him and continues to tell him that it is not only healthy, it is to be celebrated. And anybody who doesn't comply, anybody who doesn't pretend that this insanity is normal, well, they're the problem. They're the crazy one. There's something wrong with them, frankly. They should be unpersoned. They should be banned off of the internet. You, however, you should be boosted. You should be at the top of the trending page. You should be at the top of the For You page, whatever page it is, because you deserve attention because you're so marginalized. That's the cruelty of leftism, is it not only highlights this and not only celebrates it, but it does not stop getting crazier because there's nothing they're not willing to accept. There's no line to be drawn because within leftism, for every piece of this house of cards not to come down, they have to be willing to accept anything as reality at this point. Because if you draw a line, well, then people are going to start asking questions. Well, why that line? Why that group? Why that crazy thing? Does that mean all the other stuff might, might be crazy? Because it is. It is crazy. I want to show you something else. If you don't believe me yet, I'm going to give you exhibit B. I'll never have my breast back. A reconstruction will do nothing for me and it might make things worse actually because I'm, I've, I've had some complications pop up this year with the grafts. They, I have to cover them up, them up with bandages or else they, they'll, I don't know what's going on with them. I tried to consult my surgeon about it and she didn't really, didn't really, didn't really investigate. He gave me advice that made my, the complications worse even and actually temporarily gave me an infection, but I have to wear, I have to bandage up every day so that it doesn't like leak all over my clothing or bedding. And Jesus. from the, from the, the hormones and blockers, um, I've been experiencing some joint pains, mainly in my, my arms, my legs and my back. And, uh, yep. I, I still have issues with my, my urinary tract. I have to use the restroom pretty frequently. And I didn't even know that this was possible. This is like a pretty huge quality of life issue that I'm experiencing. And I'm just, I'm just not really getting any help for it. And on top of that, I'm, I do, I do hate to speak about it, but I'm experiencing sexual dysfunction at the age of 18. That's something that women usually go through when, when they're in their 40s to 50s. Right, right. How is I supposed to know? So, so let's talk for a moment about how you got your lawyers and where you are on. How was she supposed to know? She's living in a world, Chloe Cole, very brave, brave, brave girl. She'll be on the show in a pre-taped episode later this month. How was she supposed to know? She lives in a world where the media and every pillar of culture pushed to her that this was normal, not only normal, but to be celebrated, that you would be special. 
that you, you would not only fit in everything that you were feeling, all of the weirdness of being a teenager, all of the awkwardness, it would all be cured by you doing this. They don't tell the truth to these kids. They don't tell the truth to these teenagers that we all felt a little weird when we were teenagers. We all felt out of place. We all felt odd as our bodies changed and our minds developed. That's actually normal. That weirdness is normal. But instead, the answer now is surgery. And we all know why. Beyond the social and political aspect of this, for the doctors and, and the medical institutions, it come down, comes down to one thing. That's money. They make money off of abusing these children. And they should all be in jail. It shouldn't just be, oh, we should stop doing this. You know, we need to ban this. We're working on banning this. Tennessee is going to ban this. In fact, it is a very first bill in our new legislative session. And we've been working with Senator Jack Johnson and Representative William Lamberth to make sure that happens. We have been leading the charge on this along with Matt Walsh in our state of Tennessee because we will not allow this abuse to be carried out on children in our state any longer, period. But she asked that very poignant question. How was she supposed to know that all of these horrible outcomes were possible? Well, she couldn't possibly have known because the doctors didn't warn her. The media didn't warn her. The adults around her didn't warn her. Nobody did. Everybody just affirmed and affirmed and affirmed that this thing we called crazy only 10 years ago, 15 years ago, was now normal not only normal, celebrated, that this was a good thing. It would fix everything. So she couldn't have possibly known. And that's the path we're leading people down. So we showed in exhibit A how the cruelty of left leftism is psychological, but in exhibit B here with Chloe Cole, we see that it results in physical damage as well. And you can go on and on. There is a litany of bodies harmed, if not killed and maimed because of progressive leftism. And that is the cruelty of it. But it doesn't end there. The cruelty of leftism also extends to the spiritual, to, to the sorts of things that you can't touch. And I'm going to play you an example. Welcome to the Michigan West Organization. From now on, it's going to be ran by women. Women. Owned by Juan Suman. For all women. Women. This is wild. For all women really around the women. world to celebrate the power. I can't watch anymore. You know who that is? That person was born a man. Okay? Now that woman owns Miss Universe. As people applaud and cheer in a carefully selected crowd of people who only are allowed to think one way. The sheep led to their own slaughter unknowingly. They all clap. And what's, hap what's happening in that moment is very important. It's the denial of womanhood. It's the erasure of womanhood. There is nothing unique or sacrosanct or anything that you can possibly think to designate something special about the uniqueness of being a woman. That's what progressive leftism wants. They seek to strip that, to steal that from a society, from a civilization, 
that for a very long time was smart enough to realize that men and women are different. And that's a good thing. We have different roles. We have different strengths and weaknesses. And we suit each other. We help each other. We are supposed to help each other. Our weaknesses are supposed to bind us together to meet the other side's strengths. Instead, we live in a society where that progressive left and the cruelty within it seeks to steal that from all of us and to tell us, nope, you're all the same. Again, denying reality. Nope, there's no problem with a man, biological male, swimming with women. Oh, nope. He's just in first place because he practiced tartar. Has nothing to do with his biology. I mean, the lunacy, the lunacy involved here, the amount of cognitive dissonance it takes for a person to believe this is stunning. But again, once you understand that we're sending our children to indoctrination centers where they spend more time with crazed progressive leftists than they do with their own parents, it starts to make a lot more sense. I can't tell you the number of parents I have met in the past five years who have told me, I'm a conservative. My spouse is a conservative. We don't know how our child ended up a crazed progressive leftist. How did it happen? We wish we would have done this differently. And it's always one thing, school. They wish they would have sent them to a different school. They wish they knew what was going on at the school. Be present parents, especially dads. You know what predators fear the most? Present fathers. Predators prey on kids who don't have present fathers. Make yourself present. Make your presence known. Speak up when schools and teachers are doing the wrong thing or indoctrinating kids. The world needs warriors right now, but more than the world needing them, our kids need them. And it starts on an individual level. Somebody else isn't coming to save you. They're not coming to save your child. It is your job to save your child, save your community, save your family. Because the insanity of progressive leftism and the cruelty of it, it is coming for you. You may think you're somehow insulated. You're not. None of us are. None of us are insulated from the insanity. It will come for your community. So you have to prepare yourself to be the person who stands up, who speaks up, who takes action in positive ways to right the wrongs of the cruelty within progressive leftism. And that's what I have to say about that. Um, We've got another subject I want to break into, and this is reparations. Um, this is a wild, wild, wild story. You guys are not going to believe this, okay? So San Francisco, they have a reparations panel. They're pitching, proposing $5 million each to black residents in San Francisco. Let me go further. The San Francisco panel studying reparations has proposed a one-time payment of $5 million to each black resident of the city deemed eligible as recompense for decades of harm they have experienced, according to the report on Monday. This is, by the way, New York Post. Okay, this is not some crazy website. This is New York Post. A lump sum payment would compensate the affected population and will redress the economic and opportunity losses that black San Franciscans have endured collectively as the result of both intentional decisions and unintended harms perpetuated by city policy. That's what the advisory committee told um, news outlets in their draft report last month. Okay. 
The committee also proposed wiping out all debts. So if you thought we were done with just five million each, we're not done yet. Okay, this is like this is like a game show. There's more. The committee also proposed wiping out all debts associated with educational, personal credit cards, and payday loans for Black households. The 15-member panel was established by San Francisco supervisors in May 2021. A separate task force was also created by the California legislature around a similar time period. Um, you might be wondering how much this is going to cost. For perspective, the city's entire budget for the year of 2022 to 2023 is $14 billion. This proposal will cost San Francisco $50 billion. Now, you know, I don't pretend to be um, a mathematician or anything. I'm, I'm okay at math. You know, I ran a small business. Uh, I understand math. Something seems wrong to me with those numbers, having a $14 billion annual operating budget and then coming up with a proposal to spend $50 billion. Um, I'm just wondering who's going to give reparations to the city of San Francisco to bail them out for their bad decisions when they do something like this. Obviously, federal taxpayers will. I mean, again, let's get further into this, okay? Because I think there's there's some stuff we need to explain. To be eligible, because I know some of you guys are thinking right now, well, with this trans craze, maybe I feel like I'm transracial. Maybe I identify as Black or African American. Well, to be eligible, applicants must be 18 years old and have to show that they've identified as Black or African American on public documents for at least 10 years. Again, they have to show they identify as Black or African-American, okay? Not that they have to be Black or African-American, okay? They have to identify as such, okay? They must also prove that they meet two out of eight additional standards, including being born in or having migrated to San Francisco between 1940 and 1996 and having proof of residency for at least 13 years, being personally or a direct descendant of someone jailed in the failed war on drugs, or being a descendant of someone enslaved before 1865. They make very clear though, that these reparations are not payment or recompense for slavery, okay? Because in fact, San Francisco didn't participate in slavery. They're actually saying this is for everything else, for basically us just being racist and having racist policies that hurt black people, okay? They don't name those policies, they don't actually assign a dollar value to how they hurt individuals living today. They just say, this is payment for all of the racism, basically. And so you might be thinking, that sounds really crazy. Um, I would tend to agree with you, but it doesn't stop there in terms of what is racist now. And this tells you that the inmates are running the asylum. Are you ready? USA Today has warned against using culturally sensitive words like aloha, Hola and shalom, okay? Um, as your resident Latino, I give you all a Latino card. You all have permission to say hola as often as you want to. You can say it in the widest way possible and say hola. You can say hola. You can say it any way you want. You know why? Because I don't care. I don't care. You want to say it? It's your mouth, your world. You're living in it. I don't care what you say. I really don't. Um, I think that actually it's kind of a compliment that you care enough about another culture to use a term and you like it. I think that the lunacy just never ends with these people. And that seems like a common theme today. I think today's theme is the cruelty of leftism and the lunacy behind it. So 
you might think that's enough racism for today, right? Nope, there's more racism. Ready? Space is racist. A Colorado astrophysics professor moans that her field is riddled with white supremacy and sexism, with colleagues using hyper-masculine and violent language to, <laughs> to describe the cosmos. I couldn't make it through that without laughing. I tried. Um, the report notes that, uh, oh, oops, sorry. We're getting, we're jumping around here. Okay, you might be wondering what she looks like. That is the professor who says that it's racist and that is her home. Okay, so <laughs> I would say astrophysics has been pretty good to you, ma'am. I think if that's your home, you have very little to complain about. But again, maybe this is how she makes her money. And that's the cruelty of leftism is that if you actually engage in this lunacy, you're rewarded for it. You get promotions, you get, you know, better jobs, you get better pay, you get better treatment because who's going to treat you poorly if you're part of one of these marginalized groups, okay? And nobody's going to take that risk because you lose your job. And that's how this system has been set up. And that's why it's more important than ever that we actually stand up against this lunacy, even if it means losing our jobs. I mean, I think most people who, who watch a show, you know my history. But for those who don't, I left Hollywood as a director who directed Oscar-winning actors, actresses, some of the biggest music stars, people like Natalie Portman, Smashing Pumpkins, Megan Fox, the list goes on and on. I left the industry happily at a peak point. I was making good money, doing a great job, you know, within that industry, I was completely unhappy because I was silent. And I knew the minute I spoke up about what I believed in, my career would be burned down. So it was a conscious choice to burn it all down. And being a dad of three kids, it's a scary thing to burn your career down that you've worked your whole life to build. But I did it because it was the right thing. Because this world is not going to change without men standing up and doing the hard thing and the right thing. And we've all made compromises for too long. I know I made them. I'm speaking from experience. I made compromises in my previous career that, you know, they really were not in alignment with my values. And I'll never make those compromises again. And I think that's one of the most valuable lessons I've learned. And, you know, for me, it was faith. It was having Jesus in my life that pushed me in that direction. But for other people, it might be something different. Whatever it is, we all need to be strong in this moment and be willing to stand up for what we believe in. Because if we're not, our kids aren't even going to have the opportunity to stand up for what they believe in. It'll be a thought crime in the first place to even think it. That's the world we're entering into. And we've got to be clear-eyed about it. Um, there's some more interesting news I was going to bring up. Uh, but first, we're not done with racism yet, okay? There's one last, one last piece of racism we've got to get off our chest here, okay? We've covered Aloha's racist, um, Ola's racist, Shalom is racist, Space is racist. Um, we're paying $5 million each in reparations. And what's next? Being on time is racist now. Can we stop, like, normalizing people being late? Like, it's not cute. It's not funny. It's not a... When y'all are ready to learn about the connections between this, this, and the white American cultural norm with obsessing over being on time, please let me know. Please, because as someone who is black, queer, has ADHD, and studies African-American history and culture, it's one of my favorite things to talk about. It's going to be so much fun. But, you know, until then, we could just keep acting like that's a completely harmless opinion that has no historical context whatsoever. <laughs> I'm so irritated by these people. I have no nice words, and I've been taught when you have no nice words, try to control what you're going to say. So, um... You know what? I would like to educate people like that woman, and I want to show them real racism, or real bigotry, rather, 
real bigotry, real intolerance, because they talk a lot about these things that they have no actual evidence of, and they try to create whole narratives about why things like saying hola or <laughs> why being on time is racist. Well, let's look at some real bigotry. This happened in the Mall of America this week. A man was thrown out for having a Jesus shirt. Associated with religion and defending Jesus. No, it's not. I'm sorry, it's not a religion. It's a monkey turned a lie. Okay. But it's the same thing, okay? People have been offended. And like I said, all we were asking you is to take your shirt off. You can go to Macy's or we can leave. I didn't say anything, though. I didn't speak. I didn't even... I didn't speak. I didn't, I didn't say anything. I just going to miss. That's the world we're living in, folks. Wearing a Jesus Saves shirt. And on the back it said, Jesus is the only way. That is what you can get thrown out of a mall for. In fact, not just a mall, the most famous mall in America, Mall of America. You can get thrown out for wearing. That's bigotry. That's the opposite of inclusion. That's the opposite of tolerance. And this is, again, the cruelty of leftism because the world that they're building, when they say tolerant, they actually mean only of the things they believe. When they say inclusive, they mean only of the things they believe. They don't actually mean tolerant. They don't actually mean inclusive. Because here's the thing. If you look at America, we have actually been the most tolerant nation in the entire world for a very long time. And we're trending in the direction of intolerance, but not by the people the left would like to make you think. The people that are pushing us toward intolerance is the progressive left. They're the ones who don't want you to be allowed to have an opinion. They're the ones that want you censored off the internet if you offend them. They're the ones that want you to not be allowed to work in any sort of industry where you have a platform. They're the ones who want to get you fired from your job for having different political beliefs than them. That's intolerance. That's a group of people being bigots. In fact, I'm always shocked. I feel like these people have not read the actual dictionary definition of bigotry because it fits them to a T. I'm surprised it doesn't have a picture of their party at this point. But then again, the dictionary is also run by people who changed the definition of the word woman this year. In case you missed it. Yes, they changed the term, the word, to now be inclusive of men who identify as a woman. Again, leading us back to the ever-present question that Matt Walsh posed, what is a woman? You know, this used to be very simple and we all knew, but apparently this is difficult now for the left. Um, jumping into other stories, we've got, we're going to go to China, Okay. We've got a story from China. Actually, you know what? We're going to handle the World Economic Forum first. So um, let's go to World Economic Forum. They have begun. And in case you were wondering if, you know, there's anything crazy coming down the pipe, let me just play this video for you guys. Pay insufficient attention to the frightening scenario of a comprehensive cyber attack, which would bring to a complete halt to the power supply transportation, hospital services, our society as a whole. The COVID-19 crisis would be seen in this respect as a small disturbance in comparison to a major cyber attack. Well, that's comforting. I feel a lot better now. 
Um, definitely do not feel like they are going to do something absolutely insane. I mean, let's be honest. We all have the same feeling about this conference, about the World Economic Forum and these groups of globalists who come together while expending mass amounts of money, fuel and carbon and everything else they tell us is evil going to these conferences. Um, it's very clear that they're up to some shady stuff. I mean, we've seen it. We know it. Nobody's confused by it. I think that it's important to, to understand, though, that they're not only doing evil when they're at these conferences. They're not only planning, you know, world domination. They're also doing different types of evil. Tricks of the Trade 2500 a Night Prostitute reveals how business rockets at this week's Davos Summit and why she wears business clothes to blend in and never gossips about her elite clients. They're also doing other stuff that's evil, not just world domination. So keep that in mind. Um, they've got to diversify their evil somehow. And, and, you know, they're doing it. They're finding a way to, to diversify because diversity matters so much to them. Um, let's jump to China. China has announced uh, just yesterday that their population has shrunk for the first time in over 60 years. This is a subject I've actually talked about quite a lot, that it's actually not, you know, the left would like to make people think that population growth is the thing we need to all fear, that being overpopulated is the thing to fear, but that that actually just communicates to you their ignorance of simple economics, because here's how most economies can survive, is that you have to replace your debt. If you don't replace your debt, your economy suffers. You have no growth then. So if you look at that ability to produce births that are beyond the rate of the, the rate of your deaths, that's a positive for countries. They're trying very hard to ensure that their births outpace their deaths. China telling us they've lost population means that, you know, that's not happening for them. And they've themselves acknowledged that the one-child policy was a big mistake because they understand this basic economic principle. And it's why they've changed that policy to now allow people to have kids um, way beyond one child. And so when you look at that, it actually, you know, it's not something that, that frightens me, you know, to, to some horrible degree, but it is, it is an inkling of a problem we're seeing globally. And that's that birth rates are going down in most developed countries. And that should worry everybody a bit because we need to find out why this is happening. You know, earlier in the month, I think it was in December, I covered the fact that sperm counts have gone down so dramatically that by the year 2055, we'll be functionally infertile. Um, the vast majority of men in the world. And so obviously we can't let it get to that. And I think this is something governments actually, you know, maybe some of those World Economic Forum stooges could get working on, you know, uh, spend a little bit of that money researching this problem and figuring out why people are going infertile. But then again, they probably have something to do with why we're going infertile in the first place and are not exactly incentivized to make sure it stops. So on to entertainment news. Um, entertainment news, we've got Pink says, um, if you don't remember her in the 90s, she had music people listen to. Um, Pink has demanded that pro-life Americans never effing listen to her music again. That's an easy one for me. I haven't heard one of her songs since the 90s. Um, I hate to break it to her, but I don't think anybody's listening. But congrats to her for getting um, a headline on, on the front of some, I think it was People Magazine, somewhere. Okay. She got, she got a headline. That's a big deal for her. So I want to give her kudos for that. She's a little crazy. I'm just going to put it out there a little bit crazy. Speaking of crazy though, in other crazy entertainment news, Chelsea Handler, the comedian whose show was canceled says that she didn't know until she was 40 that the sun and moon 
are not the same. So if you were ever confused by her political takes, now it all makes a whole lot more sense. She's just dumb. You know, so you got to you got to forgive stupidity every once in a while. That explains all of her political takes. I get it now. And I am sorry for expecting you to behave like an adult and have a brain like an adult and be able to work out problems like an adult. I get it now. Totally all is forgiven. Hope you can forgive me for having any expectation of you having a brain. Next up, um, Jamie Lee Curtis. She said back in 2021, somebody sent me this. They texted it to me and said, remember this? I do remember it. She said, I hope all out there in the Twitterverse, at this, at the moment of your death, your final words are not, I wish I had gotten the vaccine. Well, bad news, Jamie, because um, this just came out, the new Omicron subvariant XBB 1.5. I mean, it's getting crazy at this point where we're naming these things like they're Elon Musk's kids, possibly more likely to infect the vaccinated. Oh, that's going to be a problem for Jamie. And Jamie, you may also want to look into this. Ireland's excess deaths rivals the worst of the COVID pandemic right now, okay? This is happening all over the world. Take a look. Oh, and what else happened this week? CDC identifies possible safety concern for certain people receiving COVID vaccines. Hmm, I wonder what that concern is. Oh, strokes. They're investigating whether the Pfizer vaccine creates an increased risk of strokes in people 65 and older. That's just the start, you know, and and this is the thing. The conversation has to start somewhere. And I think the CDC and some of the powers that be recognize that you can't avoid this conversation forever when it's very clear to people that there is a problem. You can only avoid a conversation for so long before you look absolutely foolish. And I think they realized they, they reached that tipping point where they looked really foolish. Again, you can go back to the video I played of Fauci at the beginning of the show, acknowledging that when it came to the AIDS vaccine that people were proposing, his big worry was that you don't know what's going to happen 12 years down the line. And quote, in Fauci's words, all hell can break loose from that vaccine when it comes to side effects. And that's what he feared with the AIDS vaccine. So again, the foresight of these people is either marvelous or short-sighted. And I'm going to bet on short-sighted. In fact, I would bet the house on it. They did not think through the long-term effects. And so another thing, I'm going to be looking into this and hopefully we'll have an update for you guys on this. I'm going to go ahead and do some research on all the supplements that have been pulled from the market. I tweeted this earlier in the week and posted on uh, you know, Truth and Facebook and everywhere else. If a big group of young, healthy people started taking a new supplement and then suddenly some of them started to drop dead, the government would, of course, find the commonality between them, which would be the supplement, and pull it from the market. Then they'd investigate and prosecute. They won't do this with the vaccine, though, because big pharma is in their pockets. That's very clear. Okay, and that's not a one-sided problem. This is actually a both-sided problem. The Democrats and Republicans have this problem where pharmaceutical companies are in their pockets to a degree that they are unwilling to ask very important questions like this. Okay, if we pulled, and I'm going to have a list of every supplement later this week, every supplement has been pulled off the market. Why? How many side effects? How many deaths? And then let's compare that to the COVID vaccine and see if it makes sense to suspend. You know, it's a question. And I think at this point, we all need to be asking questions for the good of our entire country. And, and that's an important one that needs to be asked and answered. And so I'm going to do uh, my very best to, to get into that dive deep and get you guys the answer. Another one, Biden here. Uh, so if you don't know, Biden document story, um, basically, you know, 
the Democrats for the past year have been working on their plot to get President Trump arrested so he can't run in the 2024 election. It was all designed around classified documents and saying that, oh, it was this horrible thing that he had classified documents he took with him after he was president. And the, those classified documents were basically the end of the world. And of course, no Democrat would ever do that. In fact, Joe Biden said how irresponsible it was. It was so, how could he be so irresponsible? Well, it turns out Joe Biden had classified documents to his lawyer, who is not actually allowed to handle classified documents found. And, you know, a big difference people need to keep in mind here is President Trump just left the presidency when they found these documents. And he, as president, had the authority to declassify. Joe Biden was vice president. He did not have the authority to declassify as vice president. So he could not have declassified the documents that he took with him to three separate locations, not just to Mar-a-Lago, but to three separate locations, found at three different times by different people. He didn't have that authority. So they actually are very different cases, but not in the favor of Joe Biden. Actually, this is in favor of President Trump because President Trump plausibly has the ability, and I believe this makes the most sense to be able to say, I declassified all of this, so I'm able to take it. And, and that makes a world of sense. Now, here's where Biden, um, you know, some news came out this weekend for the third time, the third time they found something that I thought was very interesting. They buried the lead in this story at Washington Post. This is the lawyer speaking, saying, because I have a security clearance, I went to Wilmington Thursday evening to facilitate providing the document to president to the president's personal counsel uh, that, that the president's personal counsel found on Wednesday and provided to the Justice Department. Sauber said in a statement, while I was transferring it to the DOJ officials who accompanied me, five additional pages with classification markings were discovered among the material with it for a total of six pages. The G DOJ officials with me immediately took possession. Now, I want to ask you guys, does that sound right? Let's let's dive in there a little bit deeper. He had DOJ officials with him. OK, so not just one. And if you were handing a document over, how do five more just appear? Sounds like a search. It sounds like they're trying to wrap rosy words around what really happened was a search of Biden's home discovering five more than the one that they self-reported. That's what it certainly sounds like. Because five documents don't just jump up and say, hey, don't forget me. I'm classified too. That doesn't happen. Okay. So somebody was searching through the documents with the DOJ officials to see if maybe Biden had been honest about how many documents he had because they'd only disclosed one from that location. They found five more. Maybe Biden had a reason he didn't want DOJ officials to know he had those five. All questions worth asking. And I think if you're honest and you're trying to be reasonable in any way, you will ask those questions. And here's the truth at the end of the day, though. If I'm being perfectly honest, I'm not very concerned about the classified documents case in the case of President Trump or Biden. And the reason why is because these people already had access to all of the intelligence under the sun that you could possibly imagine being harmful to our country. The fact that they had document versions of it, both protected by the Secret Service at both locations, um, it doesn't worry me. You know, I, I think that this was all a farce from the beginning to try to get Trump and throw him in prison. And now it's blown up in their faces. And that's sort of the hilarity of it all. So, yeah, I'll, I'll pick up the ball and run with it. But it's it's all a little crazy if you think about it that any of us are, you know, pretending we're extremely worried about this when the reality is that if either of them wanted to sell 
any classified information, they could do it without the documents. If any of them wanted to do something to undermine our security, they can do it without the documents. So this was just a farce that exploded in the Democrats' face because poor planning, you know. Um, next up about Joe Biden, though. In one week, we found out that Joe Biden carelessly left these classified documents in at least three separate insecure locations. And he appears to have either committed tax fraud and money laundering or his son committed tax fraud and money laundering of some sort. Um, not the best week for the big guy. So take a look at that tweet down there. Hunter Biden claimed in 2018 that he paid over 49000 per month in rent while living at his house's, uh, his dad's house in Delaware. Joe Biden's tax return, however, in 2017 only listed 19800 in rents received. Let's take a look at this document. Here's the background screening re request that um, Hunter Biden filled out. It includes a rent of $49,910. So some people got curious and they went looking. There is no property in the entire state of Delaware that is anywhere near $49,000 a month in rent. In fact, the closest is around $10,000. So what was Hunter paying for? Was that 10% for the big guy? It sure looks like it. One of them's lying. Was Joe Biden lying on the tax return or was Hunter lying on his form? Somebody's got to cop to this, right? And you don't make a $49,000 per month mistake. There's no way. I mean, look at the writing on this. He was very sure about the amount. That is a very specific amount. That is a very clearly written amount. There is no mistaking this. $49,910. Okay? So, very clear. Something's up. Something's rotten in Denmark. And I think that's something, again we're going to need to ensure we have the right people in office to look into. I don't trust the DOJ at all. Not at all. They, they went and they made a special counsel for it. Um, it's somebody who President Trump had previously appointed. But here's the thing about appointments people need to understand. Hearing ex-president appointed this judge or ex-president appointed this prosecutor, whatever it is, it's sort of a farce. Yes, you can get some indications from it sometimes, but the truth is there's a lot of cases that confuse and muddy the water. So in the case of this guy who was named special counsel, the truth about him is he was named special counsel um, or when Trump rather named him to an, uh, a U.S. attorney general spot. Um, you know, this was something that in each state, the senators in those states, they have these slips where they endorse somebody or don't endorse them. And they're kind of done as favors in some states. So like a president will want their vote on something. So they'll say, okay, look, even though we're different parties, I'll give you the person you want if you do this. Okay. It might not even be a vote. It can be something totally separate and they make and wheel and deal all that type of stuff. And it's very clear that this guy is liked by Democrats because Joe Biden kept him on for Illinois. Okay. So, um, don't be fooled by Trump appointed special prosecutor now looking into Biden's case. Okay. It means nothing. And one of two things is going on here. Either they are going to ensure that Biden is not charged no matter what, or this is a setup to get rid of Biden. It's one of the, it's very simple. There's no in between. It's one of the two. Okay. These things are thought out very carefully. Had they wanted to ensure nobody ever found out that Biden had those classified documents, they would have. Because I guarantee you that President Obama has classified documents in his possession. I guarantee you that George Bush has classified documents in his possession. I guarantee you Dick Cheney has classified documents in his 
possession. Okay. Sorry, I got the hiccups there. I mean, I think let's not fool ourselves. They all have this and they've managed to keep it hidden. That's just the truth. Now, um, something Joe Rogan posted I thought was really interesting I want to bring to you guys is this new food pyramid. So this is from Good Ranchers, which if you're not familiar, um, they don't pay me for this. So I'm just putting this out there. I'm just just saying I know of them because we've, we've gotten meat from them before. Um, and they send meat to your door. Uh, but anyways, this is a story they put out on their blog. New government-funded food pyramid says that Lucky Charms are healthier than steak. Okay, I want you guys to take a look at this, Okay. If you're, if you're listening on iTunes, I apologize you can't see this, so I'm going to try to be very descriptive for you, um, as I always try to be for the people listening on, on uh, Apple Podcasts. I guess it's not iTunes. Apple Podcasts is what they call it. All right, so they're saying that frosted mini-wheats are healthier for you than grilled chicken, than ground beef, than steak, than whole milk, than eggs, okay? They're also saying that not only are those frosted mini wheats healthier for you, they're also saying that Lucky Charms are just as healthy for you as skinned chicken breast or skinless chicken breast, okay? That it's uh, healthier for you than whole milk, poached eggs, boiled eggs, healthier for you than canned pineapple. Well, I kind of agree with that one. Um, healthier for you than... It, well, this is fine. Ice cream cone with nuts is healthier for you than ground beef. Okay. Almond M&Ms are healthier for you than ground beef. Okay. Um, potato chips are healthier for you than ground beef and skinless chicken breast. All right. Does everybody, is everybody understanding how crazy this is? It's very clear that people paid for this, for these outcomes. It's very clear this is lunacy. And I just hope and pray that the nation's next generation of children are not taught this food pyramid lunacy. Because let me tell you, our diet affects so much of our health. My life changed when I moved to a diet that is almost entirely meat-based. Um, it's not that I didn't eat meat before, I did, but I eat so much more meat than your average person does now, and I feel stronger and healthier because of it. And making good choices when it comes to food, whether it be incorporating more vegetables in your diet or meat, things that give you life and protein and strength and energy. These are the things that the globalists, the World Economic Forum stooges want to ensure you don't have. They don't want you strong. They want you eating soy. They want you eating bugs. They want you eating stuff that is going to result in you being skinny, disheveled, non-energetic messes that depend on the government to be your nanny. That's the truth. That's where stuff like this comes from. They want you eating dead food. Okay. I want everybody to learn those terms, dead food, alive food. Okay. And when you're making choices about what you eat, if you've never seen a nutritionist, you've never thought about how you eat. I don't know how I got on this ramp, by the way, I wasn't thinking about talking about this, but I want everybody to remember this. Okay. If you always have a choice between living food and dead food. Okay. And I want you to go ahead and write down for a day, how much of the food you eat is dead food. Okay. So this is food that is processed foods that were never alive at any point. And how many of the foods are alive foods? So that includes vegetables, you know, things that come from plants, things that come from the ground, animals, you know, included in that. Um, anything to, to that effect or something that comes out of something living. So um, even when it comes to things like, you know, uh, almond milk, that would count as living or, you know, whole milk, if you like, if you're not lactose intolerant, because some people can't do dairy. Um, you know, I want you to write that down. See how much of the food you eat is dead.
Dead food gives you nothing. Dead food hurts you, is not going to fuel you. And, and that's sort of the, the approach I take because of my wife. My wife taught me all this and, um, you know, good wives teach you a lot of things and it will change your life to eat living foods. Make that choice as often as you can to eat living foods. And, you know, we all, we all, we all have cheat days. We all have things, you know, we do that we're not proud of. Like for me, I can't tell you how excited I am about In-N-Out coming to Tennessee because I love In-N-Out. I'm going to probably go too often. I'll probably get, you know, my wife will kick me out of In-N-Out and make sure I don't go too often. But um, I'll probably try to go too often because I am in love with their food. Um, call that a byproduct of of growing up in communist California. But that's, that's something that happened. So I'm so happy to see they're coming to Tennessee because I haven't had them in probably five, six years. Um, and that's good. That's going to be a lot of fun when it comes here. But, uh, you know, overall, make try to make healthier choices more often than you don't. And you'll see you'll see a lot of change in your life. I mean, I can't tell you what a difference it can make to just that simple change, you know, living food versus dead food. All right. Got a couple more stories and we'll be done. Um, let's go to military real quick. Um, I thought this was very important. There's a lot of subjects on the military that I think we really need to cover. And this is one of them. The vast majority of U.S. active duty military members believe that the Pentagon has become politicized, according to data obtained exclusively by Breitbart News. 68% of active duty members say that they have witnessed a growing politicization, while 53% say that the military has become too politicized. 68% also say that such politicization would impact their decision to encourage their children to join the military. 68%. I want you guys to remember that number because that is the number, that is the percentage that would not comply with total lunacy to hurt other Americans probably, okay? That's that's an important percentage. I'm happy to see that it's near 70. That's a, That's important. Equity-based initiatives like lowering physical fitness standards are also of great concern for active duty as 70% say the reduction in such standards to even the playing field lowers their trust in the institution of the military. The new focus of, uh, on climate change as a top national security threat has also lost the trust of 70% of active duty military. 69% said the inclusion of critical race theory books on the reading list for the naval operations was concerning, while 68% said they were concerned about reports of sexual assault. So it's looking like we have about a 70% uh, conservative military, which, by the way, if they're uh, looking for a way to earn back trust of, of some of these people, here's a good idea. The U.S. Department of Defense may provide back pay to former service members who were removed for not receiving the COVID vaccine after the Pentagon removed the vaccine mandate earlier this, this last week. That would be a good idea. If you want to try to start to win the trust back of these people, how about you pay the ones you fired? That'd be a great idea. Maybe give them a raise too. Maybe pay damages for what you did to their families. Maybe acknowledge that the vaccine mandate was not only the wrong medical choice, but it was wrong morally. That might be a start. I think that would be a wise start. Here's another story I thought was just wild. I mean, you talk about corruption. Chicago is the place for that. Mayor Lori Lightfoot, she's the mayor of Chicago, who if you don't know who she is, um, I am envious of you. She sent out an email, her campaign sent out an email to Chicago public school teachers Wednesday, asking them to encourage their students to volunteer to help Lightfoot win her second term as mayor and earn class credit, okay? It was unclear how many teachers received the email 
from uh, Lightfoot's campaign manager. The message was sent to teachers' official work email accounts, which ends in cps.edu. The email says participants in the externship program would be expected to contribute 12 hours per week to the Lightfoot campaign, and students uh, would earn extra credit from their teachers as a result. So basically, they want child labor. <laughs> I mean, they have no shame. They have no shame. There is nothing they're not willing to do to win elections, okay? They're literally sending emails to elementary school teachers. It was elementary. Let me see. I don't want to say this wrong. Chicago public schools teachers. Yeah, so elementary included. Uh, to elementary kids and middle school kids and high school kids to get extra credit for going and volunteering on a campaign and pretending they support this lady. It's just lunacy. I wish I had grabbed a picture to show you guys for those who don't know what she looks like because uh, it's like it's like Beetlejuice. Um, it's it's very scary stuff. But, um, you know, that that is a race I expect to get real nasty in Chicago, by the way, because Chicago is such a corrupt place. If you don't know the political history of Chicago, it's fascinating in terms of the corruption. It's going to get nasty there. I guarantee it. They're going to have a nasty race. And Lightfoot is just a nightmare. It's got to be one of the most inept, insane politicians I've ever seen. Um, I don't think she, you know, Chicago never, places like Chicago never cease to amaze me. So I don't want to say I'd be shocked if she won again, because honestly, I wouldn't be. It would kind of, I'd be like, eh, that kind of makes sense. It's Chicago. I mean, it's like one of the murder capitals of the country, right? So I don't think a lot of great sense comes out of Chicago, which is very sad because Chicago used to be a very beautiful place. It really did. I went to Chicago maybe 15, 16, 17 years ago. It was beautiful. And uh, they had some great stuff, some great some great food. Um, I remember they had really good hot dogs. And uh, <laughs> I don't know why I remember that, but they, they had a really good hot dog place. I'm trying to remember. It was called Portillo's, I think, or something like that. I don't remember. But it, it was really good. And uh, they've really gone downhill. I mean, that place, it's sad to see. But this is what Democrats do to cities. They destroy them. Destruction follows because the cruelty of leftism knows no bounds and cruelty always turns to destruction. And that's the point of today's message. Progressive leftism is not only cruel, it will destroy lives, it will destroy cities, it will destroy states, and it will destroy our country if we don't stand up to it. And that's why we, every single one of us individually, need to take stands in our daily life to ensure that we don't allow this progressive leftism to creep in and normalize to the degree that it destroys our entire country for good. We're well on the path, but we have choices. And we're each individually responsible for the choices we make. There is nobody coming to save us. Trump is not going to save us. DeSantis is not going to save us. There is no one person who is going to show up and save us. It's up to us. It's up to our families. It's up to our communities. We are the line of defense that our founders had in mind when they created the foundations of this country. They intended for us to stand up for what we believe in, to speak up without fear. They fought and died, many of them, for that right. They sacrificed their families, their children, their wives, in many cases, died in service of us living in a country where we would be free, where we would speak up where we would never let go of those foundational values, where we would never cower to a tyrant. That's probably the most offensive thing to our founders is the idea of the American people cowering, bowing down to tyrants, doing what they demand we do. 
that rebellious spirit of the founders is what we need to ignite again among the American people, a rebellious spirit that says no more, we will not bow to tyrants, we will not cower. That is the future we need. That's the future that will save America. I'd like to give you all a good piece of news before we end. So I've got some good news. Let me make sure we didn't leave anything out today. It'll look through my, yep, it looks like we're, we're on to good news here, okay? Or funny news, at least, not good news. This is funny news, all right? So if you guys didn't hear about this, you might not be able to read the email, but I'll explain it to you. So uh, the latest Twitter leak, you might be thinking this is a joke. It's actually not a joke. This is a real email. Um, so this comes from the Twitter files, which were uh, continually, you know, being leaked out, released on Twitter uh, with Elon Musk's consent via various reporters. Well, this one was released this week, and it shows that the Democratic National Committee, yes, the Democratic Party, reached out to Twitter to demand this be removed. This is a very clear parody account, a very clear, you know, it's honestly kind of an offensive account. You know, you can see the name on the account. Obviously, we don't all agree with that type of stuff. I think that that's, you know, you could take things like that too far, but it's not, again, when we're talking about the internet and social media and banning and unpersoning people, you don't do it because you're offended or you find a name offensive or you don't like something, okay? The internet is a place where the American people, in my view, are entitled to be able to go onto the public square and say what they have to say without censorship, without deboosting, without deplatforming. And so the Democratic Party, though, actually reached out to Twitter and demanded that this tweet be taken down, which is a this is an objectively funny tweet. You know, I mean, that's that does kind of feel like <laughs> where we're headed with Joe Biden, doesn't it? I mean, that face. But they they legitimately say that they believe it violates the terms of service for manipulated media. A very clear joke. And so they're not only trying to get this kicked off, but they're also trying to essentially ban comedy. Like, you can't make fun of us. I'm sorry, guys, but there's a lot to make fun of, okay? Um, and so, you know, in spirit of the World Economic Forum, I wanted to think about what great reset we really need. You know, since the World Economic Forum just started, I think that's a good idea. Let's go ahead and look. I think this is the only great reset we need. What do you guys think? I think that makes sense. All right. Thanks for joining today. I will be back with you guys soon. We're going to have, um, oh, actually, you know what? There is a trailer I want to show you guys for the new uh, episode with the FBI whistleblower that we did and give you guys a little more info on upcoming shows. So first of all, we couldn't do all this without Patriot Mobile. Patriot Mobile is awesome. They're a great sponsor. And uh, if you don't know about them, essentially, they're a cell phone company for your service. So think like, you know, the other big cell phone providers. Um, and they have the same service standards. So if your worry is that, oh, I would love to use a Patriot on brand, but I'm nervous about not having service. They use the same service standards. No issue there. You will see no change. But if you go to patriotmobile.com slash Starbuck, you will get free activation and you will be supporting your values. You'll be putting your money where your mouth is. And honestly, what I've been hearing back from people is that they've been getting better prices too from Patriot Mobile. And so when you see this, you do something like this, you get away from these ESG-laden companies. What you're doing is you're taking money out of their wallet from these big companies to go spend on stuff we don't agree with so that they don't go and donate to some abortion group or they don't go donate to some you know esg oriented environmental climate change agenda okay instead 
They're focused on the right things. In fact, Patriot Mobile, they put in money during this last election to flip school board seats all over the great state of Texas. They plan on doing more of that, sponsoring and taking care of great shows that are bringing the truth to people. And I think that is worth rewarding. So if you uh, have the ability, you've got a cell phone, your family has cell phones, go and take that plunge. You can keep your cell phone, you can keep your phone number, all that stuff. You just go to patriotmobile.com slash Starbuck, make the switch today. It's very fast to do. And the service is fantastic. So that's, again, if your worry is, I'm worried about service not being good, same service standards as the major providers. So you're working off the same sort of uh, tools that they are. Now, uh, to get to these videos, though, and give you info on the upcoming shows. Now, we've got one out now with the FBI whistleblower, which I'll show you the trailer for as we lead out here. But upcoming episodes that we're pre-taping, in case you know somebody who is interested, is we're going to be taping episodes with uh, whistleblowers who work in the medical industry. So that means doctors, nurses, radiologists, anybody within that medical community and apparatus or pharmaceutical companies who has something to say about what happened during COVID that happened with these vaccines. I want to speak with them. Again, same thing when it comes to vaccine-injured children and their families. I would like to speak to their families, and it doesn't just have to be for the COVID vax. It's like I'm doing an overall deep dive on the difficulty that they've had getting paid out by the pharmaceutical companies, by um, you know the entities that have been formed by the government that are supposed to be paying out, that are not paying out, that are not helping people, and how difficult it is this this road forward. Because their story needs to be told. The media ignores it uh, because it's it's not popular when you have big pharma advertisers. And I don't have big pharma advertisers, and I'm not going to take any big pharma advertisers, so I can cover it. I'm I'm not worried about it. Um, you know, so if you know anybody like that, go to Instagram.com slash Robbie Starbuck. There is a post up there where you'll see it's a, it has my email address where they can email me their information, their story, their background. And, um, you know, we're looking for people willing to go on camera to talk about this. And we are willing to help people stay anonymous in some way, whether it be face blurring or, you know, covering their voices up. But we'd really prefer to have people speak out and not need the anonymity because um, that's powerful for people to see a, a person step up in that way. And I think that's what people really need to see at this point. Um, so if you're interested, again, go to Instagram.com slash Robbie Starbuck. You'll see my email address. It's listed. I think I, it's like the seventh post back or something like that. You'll see it on the page. Um, now, to give you guys a trailer for the FBI show, um, this isn't one of our normal fancy trailers because, honestly, you all know I was sick and things were a little loosey-goosey over the holidays. So um, I'll play for you what I got here and upcoming episodes. You can look out for those that I just named, and you know we'll keep covering the news you know, as the craziness goes on. So here's the trailer to lead us out. Thank you guys. Have a beautiful rest of your Tuesday. Enjoy your families. God and country over everything and freedom. The protocols that we were using to, to bring people into custody, I felt were somewhat abusive. And after I voiced that to my immediate supervisor, was walked up the chain of command to eventually the special agent in charge of Jacksonville. Ultimately, they made a determination to suspend my security clearance. So right now I sit in limbo where I'm technically an employee of the FBI. I am unpaid. Uh, my security clearance is being questioned at the moment. Do you believe that this is an ideological sifting that's occurring that is purposeful to shake out a certain ideology from our institutions in order to make it easier to consolidate power and really carry out the tyrannical things that they want to carry out, that we've seen them beginning to carry out? Um, what can you say to that? Without question, I agree with you. Right prior to my suspension, I had sit down meetings with people that were in pretty, you know, elevated levels of management in the FBI. 
and uh, and cited, look, I, I've been trained to identify potential abuses of power. It's incumbent on me to is, to uphold the Constitution and to call us out if I believe that we're violating people's rights. And I said, my duty is to the Constitution and to my oath of office. And the response was, your duty is to the FBI. And we had to attest to whether or not we were vaccinated against coronavirus. So I, I'm unvaccinated. Um, I requested a religious accommodation, put in all the paperwork, put in the attestation, but I was uncomfortable doing it. And I even remarked to my wife at the time, I said, they're building a registry of people who are outwardly religious. When we applied for it, it was even asking you what your religion is. Want to find out more about that? Go to rumble.com slash Robbie Starbuck. That's rumble.com slash Robbie Starbuck on Rumble. You can watch the full episode of the FBI whistleblower. There's explosive stuff in it. Really important conversation. You can also watch if you've missed our previous episodes. You know, we broke the story about Navy SEAL Chris Beck transitioning back to being a man after initially becoming well-known household name off of transitioning to be a female uh, previously. That was, you know, the story that was told by CNN. Well, he exclusively told me on, on this show for the very first episode that we had, which has now been seen by millions of people, that he transitioned back to being a man and that he was never truly a woman, that he understands now the psychological warfare that was at play and wants to speak up to save the kids today who are being harmed by this ideology. Fantastic episode. If you haven't seen it, it is worth watching. And same with the unvaccinated whistleblower soldiers. You know, if you're curious what these future episodes may look like when it comes to the injured and the people in the medical industry and big pharma who would be speaking out, it'll look similar to that unvaccinated soldiers episode, which also got a lot of attention across the country, was viewed millions of times, and is something that people need to understand and connect with the truth of what's going on. So you can watch all that at more and more at rumble.com slash Robbie Starbuck. Thank you for joining today. Appreciate y'all. Talk to you soon.